Welcome, everybody, back to the Game Vault Podcast. I am your host, Mark. Once again, I am joined by uh, Jenny. Jen, how you doing? Hello, I'm doing well. How about yourself? And who is, I guess, unofficially the fourth member of the Game Vault Podcast, or maybe officially, uh, Jonathan is here once again. Hey, I heard you guys were talking about Japanese action RPGs on the PS2. <laughs> yeah, yeah. F- full disclosure, everyone, me and Jen were just in the Discord chat, and then Jonathan jumped in. We were like, yep. oh, I guess. Held us hostage. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about this. But no, um, in all seriousness, I'm glad to have him on because our discussion for our, our retro roulette game um, for this week, Dragon Guard, um, needs Jonathan to be here to get get all its glory, um, I guess, since you're probably the only one that finished the game of us. So Also to um, tell you what the hell is going on. Yeah. <laughs> that as well. Um, so... Um, as always, uh, let's start off with what have we been playing. And since Jen was not here last week, Jen, why don't you start? Sure. So I have been playing um, my usuals, Dead by Daylight and Phasmophobia. Um, Dead by Daylight is approaching their, I want to say it's six year anniversary. Um, so people are still wondering what the uh, the big um, announcement for the new killer is going to be. Um, a lot of people think it's going to be an original killer, and then some people are you know, trying to say it's going to be a licensed killer. And there's a lot of discussion behind it. I'm looking forward to seeing who they're going to bring in. Um, there was talk that a while back they were going to do a conjuring chapter with the nun. And that has kind of calmed down a little bit. I don't know if there's some licensing issue that they're trying to work out. Um, but then I also heard they were bringing in a xenomorph for a alien chapter. So I have no idea what's yeah. going on, but I'm just interested to see what the heck happens at this point. It's amazing that when I first started playing the game was right around the fourth birthday. Yeah. And, and all that. And it's yep. been two whole years since we all started this and a lot <laughs> of things have happened. I, yeah. Yeah. I think we had a reminiscent thing at work about something that happened last in July, 2020, the year that doesn't exist. Right. Um, <laughs> and just reminisce was like, Oh, that's a lot of things that happened to me ago. Uh, <laughs> it's very yeah. true so, and same thing with dead by daylight because we've been right around the same time but um right um I'm, I'm personally and then you can go on with your next game i want them to do a licensed killer to be honest oh yeah me too i um, love licensed killers just because so, so many originals have been hit or miss for me mm-hmm. um in there um some of them are fun some of them frustrate the hell out of me um when we play but um i just i think i want the licensed killer more because i want the the zone biome, what do you call it? Level? Feed, oh, the map. Map, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that comes with the licensed killer. Um, sure. I miss the Stranger Things map as well. Yeah. Oh, man. I was just talking about that with uh, with my friend. How much yeah. I miss the Hawkins lab. Yeah. A lot of people hated it, but I really liked it. Yeah, yeah. It was so yeah, much fun. I had some fun with it. Yeah. Um, so continue. What else? Sure. Um... So aside from DVD, Phasmo, you know, I've been playing through that. That Nothing has changed there, really. They had, um, actually, I'm lying because I forgot I missed the last episode. They did an overhaul for some VR stuff. And in that overhaul update, they also changed the layouts on almost every single map. Um, so furniture is in different spots. They basically found out that people were hiding behind doors during a ghost hunt. Like you'd go behind a door and you'd open it all the way into you. So there was like a crack between you and the wall, but you'd kind of like clip into the wall. So you were safe and they've been trying to make the game harder. So they figured it out and they made the ghosts smart now to check behind doors while they're hunting. So that is no longer a safe idea. 
Um, but they did. Oh, sorry, has this now eliminated the safe spots behind trash cans and stuff in basements? Luckily, no. So they were nice enough to add more safe spots in most maps because they took out the doors. Um, and they didn't really take out the door option because the ghost may decide not to check behind the door that you're hiding right. behind. But the chance of it happening is really high. Um, but they did. They added some lockers in prison. Um, they just they they kind of made some improvements overall. I think they were trying to balance out the fairness with being able to hide from the ghost since they took away the door thing. Um, but that that was interesting walking into the house. One of the first houses I went in after the update and I totally forgot they were doing that. And I walked in and I was just like, what the hell? Like the living room was now the kitchen and the kitchen was across the other side of the house. I was like, this is like a brand new game. I don't know what I'm doing. I hate and when they, I, I hate when I walk into my house and somebody's completely remodeled it. <laughs> right? It's the worst. And it reminds worst. me of when I lived in the oldest house. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. So uh yeah, it's it's totally different now. And they were doing an Easter event when I when I played after the update. So I had to like go around and collect Easter eggs. It was just like I, I didn't feel like I was playing Phasmo for a little while. I was like, this is a new game. I don't know what's happening. But uh, yeah, it's been fun aside from all that craziness. Um, I played a little bit of Minecraft, but my new obsession is, I guess, in the same vein as Minecraft, the game Ark Survival Evolved, which is a dino game. And it's, it's basically like a massive open world. And I'm in a clan with a bunch of friends, uh, streamer friends. And a lot of them are really good at it, which is really lucky for me. So I got to borrow someone's T-Rex for protection. So I'm pretty well protected. I've been building my little house. I have a bunch of dinosaurs that my friends let me borrow to like harvest things. Um, but that game is really tough. The uh, The difficulty in that game, if you wander away from a safe place, how quickly you get killed and then how easily what? you get killed again when you're trying to find your body and get your items back. It's wild. Yeah. Dinosaurs are dangerous. Yeah. I, who knew, right? Who knew? Yeah. Yeah. They're just, they're just dragons without wings. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so there was one part where I was playing, nobody else is online. So this was my first mistake and I was very, very new to the game. And I was just running around and I came across a raptor who, when you're brand new and you don't really have armor, you're going to die in like three hits when it attacks you. So then I had all this stuff that I've been collecting. And when you get killed, you drop everything on the ground. And it, I think it's around for, it like decomposes, I think they call it. So it's around for maybe like 15 minutes or something like that. So then I respawn. I go all the way back to where I died and the raptor is just standing there. So I was like, no, you can't do this to me. I must have died like eight times trying to get my stuff back. And then all my stuff just disappeared eventually because the dinosaur literally will stay where you died and just be like, yeah, bitch, let's go. Let's do it again. So it's it's been frustrating, but also a lot of fun. Um, and everyone that listens to the podcast knows I love building things. I love survival games. So I am all about it. And playing with friends has made it a lot easier because, again, I get to borrow people's cool dinosaurs and stuff. So um, I don't know if you guys have ever played. I know it's been around for a really long time in early access, like five years, apparently. I play it with we friends. We did. Yeah. Did you, did you like it? No. No. <laughs> no, because <laughs> okay. no, I, I don't generally like survival games like that. And also, gotcha. they were, like, extremely high level hmm. by the time I found out they were even playing it. Mm -hmm. And so I was just, they already had like a massive base with all of these extra um, dinosaurs and stuff that they didn't need. 
And so I was just completely lost as to what was happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot going on in that game. So I get that. Um, but yeah, that's, that's been cool. And then I think the only other game that I've been playing is Alien Isolation, which I believe I'm, oh, I forget what chapter I'm in. I got pretty far into the game. I think I'm nearing the last maybe like quarter of the game. Uh, the first the first quarter took me the longest because there was one part that I just couldn't get through because it was just ridiculously intense with the alien yeah. popping up everywhere. Um, but then I like got through a bunch of really quick chapters really fast in one stream. So now I'm I feel like I'm ending. I'm nearing the end somewhat. Uh, somebody in chat kind of hinted at it. So I don't know. Maybe they're messing with me and it's not even close to being over. But <laughs> it, I've, it's had its ups and downs for me. Um, yeah. I kind of wish I started on the easiest level, honestly, because I did the regular one and the alien's just so smart. It's bad. Yeah, I have no, I have no shame in playing on easy. Yeah, I should have done it. I should have done it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going, it's just, it takes me a long time when I'm on stream because I can't like a hundred percent focus on the game, uh, yeah. when I'm like talking with people and stuff. So I kind of lose some of the focus that you really need at, at certain times, but it's been fine. It. Yeah. But I think that's pretty much it for me. All right, uh, Jonathan. Yeah, so I want to keep this short. I don't want to talk for as long as I did last time. <laughs> um, so I'm, there's just two games I want to talk about. The first one is um, Knights of Azure, which is a... I, oh, right. I, I hinted at this, I think, to one or two podcasts. No, it was, it was last time. Last time <laughs> I said, okay, Knights of Azure <laughs> was released on the Vita as well as PS4. The Vita version runs really bad, like 20 frames per second or less. Oh, wow. And they also released it on PC. And I was like, you know, if I wanted to be a crazy person, <laughs> I could buy this on Steam so that I could play it on my Steam Deck. No, that'd be too ridiculous. I don't want yeah, to do yeah. that. And then yeah. it went on sale for the first time in over two years. Yeah. So I bought it and I've been playing <laughs> it on the Steam Deck. Nice. Been playing a Vita. I've been using my Steam Deck to play a Vita game at a higher or with better graphics. There's no, there's no shame in buying the same exact game for three different systems. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. We've all done it. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, this game is basically, um, well, okay. So first, I want to preface this with it's not as it's not as good as I'm going to make it sound, but it is that good to me. Um, it's like Lesbian Devil May Cry plus real time Pokemon. Like you're playing both of those at the same time. I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> so the um, the main character is like a half demon who does um, uses a switches between different weapons, and it's the combat's all about ju um, juggling enemies in the air to build up a higher combo multiplier, and uh, then you can also transform into your de into your demon mode, you know, devil trigger, yeah, um, to do a lot of damage, and that's basically how you fight bosses. It's it's like just exactly Devil May Cry, pretty much. Um, but then at this, also, you have four different monsters with you um, that you can summon, and you hold right trigger and then press um, one of the four face buttons to make them do their like special move. Otherwise, are they, they, are they like, pocket size, Jonathan? Yeah, they yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they they fit inside your pocket, and then you have uh, first you have to summon them which takes some of your MP and then um, you, then you can use their, make them do their special move, which uses their MP. And so you're both playing an action or 
like an action RPG yourself, as well as also controlling these, um, sort of controlling these um, uh, minions at the same time, which was a lot of fun. It's simpler than it sounds, but it's still, like, I really enjoy it. Um, the other game is Drakengard 3. This is a little bit of a... I'm kind of going to talk about the, like, <laughs> about Drakengard 1 um, <laughs> right now, but I... These games are the two games are actually very different, and so I'm gonna keep most of my Drakengard one thoughts for later. But um, the main thing is, I played Drakengard one, and um, I was like, childhood me was right. This game whips. I love it. I still think it's fantastic. There's just like a couple small things um, where, like, a couple small changes I think they could make to like make it amazing, and I would absolutely love it. And then I was like, oh yeah, this game is almost 20 years old Jesus. they made they made a sequel to it i should play the sequel um so drakengard 3 was on the ps3 uh i skipped to 3 because it's the yoko taro was not involved in 2 and so it's like nobody cares about that game um but 3 uh but he was involved in 3 and this game is basically uh a vastly superior version of god of war like the main character is a goddess who is very violent, and she's on a mission to kill all of these uh, all of the other gods. Yeah. And you, um, in that one, your dragon is like has just been reborn, and so he's basically like a small child. And so, um, and the combat and stuff is very different. So um, you press circle to have uh, to have the young boy do attacks for you um, to help you out <laughs> in combat. It's 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 like it's very extremely God of War, except the combat is better, the story is better, the writing is better, all of the cutscenes and cinematography are way better, and it doesn't have QTEs, so that's also a huge improvement. Um, also, so I I'm not going to talk about this too much, but that game is it's it's not accurate to just say that it's horny. It's like explicitly about the main character killing her sisters and sleeping with their boyfriends. Like that's <laughs> your main goal in the game. Wow. And so it's like a lot of the dialogue is like very sexually explicit. Um, sure. And the only reason I want to bring this up is when I was looking at reviews online, a lot of people were like, yeah, it's better than, um, it's basically just like an average action game. So it's better than the earlier Dragon cards. And that's it. That would be like their entire review. Which is like saying, um, yeah, Fly Leaf's an okay Christian rock, Christian rock band. That is not at all accurate. And anybody who, is, who listens to that review is going to have a very nasty surprise. Like, they, yeah. I really like this game. I absolutely understand um, many people not liking it. But I don't understand being ambivalent about it. I just, I don't get that. I don't yeah. understand how you could like not have an opinion on all of that stuff, <laughs> very graphic stuff that's in there. Yeah. Just, so, like I said, just looking at the screenshots, you would definitely feel one way or the other about this game. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I playing both of these games helped me solidify what it is that I really like in combat and video games. Um, because I think the combat in both of these games is amazing and like top of the line spectacular exactly what i want but also yeah. <laughs> i think a lot of people very rightfully 
do not like it at all. So, but yeah. we'll talk about that more later. Yes, we will. Uh, um, uh, so, uh, that's all for you, Jonathan? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, for me, I've only really played two games. Um, and I opened up another, but I'll get to that in a second. Um, so, I went back into uh, Horizon Zero Dawn Forbidden West um, over the last couple weeks here. And I think I said this to Jen at our D&D session. I said... The one thing that bothered the hell out of me and I had to like put it down and then go back to it was how incessantly chatty she is, Aloy, compared mm-hmm. to playing Elden Ring and other games I've played. Um, I hate it so much where, when video games do that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's like, it's so much different than the first game. It's like, oh man, that cave up there, that must be where they are. And I'm like, yes, I can see where the pattern was. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, it's just, I, I had to get past that and then I kind of just pressed through. Um, game's gorgeous. Um, I love the new combat with the, um, or, or the new machines and the, you know, needing to fight. Now you have other humans riding them and just, just that change in combat is good. Story is fine so far. Um, but I'll probably take the entire year to get through that. Um, cause I think I'm going to do it in spits and spurts because of that incessant handholding, um, <laughs> verbally. Um, but yeah, yeah, still probably going to end up on my list at the end of the year. Uh, but the most important thing that I started this week was because of a Twitter poll by you fine fans out there. Um, I picked up uh, Switch Sports. I had it in my, um, like, idea to get it just because of my nieces. It'd be a fun thing for extra life. You know, it's one of these things where, like, I have to get it. You know, it, it, it just cr- checks so many boxes for things I would actually use. And it was only $40 um compared to nintendo usually selling these things at full price mm-hmm. um so i grabbed it and if you watch the stream um on uh when i did it and it's 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 like an uprezzed wii sports essentially um they didn't do, add much to it um i think the challenge stuff in bowling is fine um going online and playing against 16 people is pretty cool in the bowling thing it just it takes forever if someone's not paying attention um, like, I don't know. I don't think they have a way for knowing if someone's like AFK because there was literally somebody in my the last game I was playing on stream that just sat for the whole 90 seconds that you get wow. to throw the ball, that sucks. you know, and it we, luckily because they they do it in three frame segments like you advance, like they chop people off mm-hmm. um, depending on score. We only had to sit through three frames of waiting an entire minute and a half um, after everyone was done. Um, but bowling seems to be the one that personally I would see it would be the best in terms of online, just because, um, it's one that's not really, uh, relying on lag or, or anything like that. Cause you're bowling in your own lane, you know, you're not, you know, uh, waiting for like one-on-one game or anything like that, you know, disconnecting from somebody else disconnecting won't really affect your game. Um, so I think that's going to be the best one moving forward for games. Um, tennis is tennis. Volleyball seems pretty fun. Um, the soccer is essentially just Rocket League with little people. It's giant goals, giant ball. And then you even you even start in the same positions um, as you would in Rocket League. And the ball bounces in the center. It's essentially Rocket League. It is amazing. Um, uh, I, I don't know how they got away with it. Um, uh, the, the sword fighting thing's fun, but I could also see it getting, uh, annoying when playing locally. Um, and you could probably punch your sister or brother, um, <laughs> while playing it, um, either on purpose by, or by accident. 
Um, yeah. Badminton is basically uh, just tennis. You know, there's three sports with a net between two teams, essentially. Um, and that's, I'm waiting to see what golf looks like before I give like a full thought on it when that comes in. Um, but for now, if you have young kids that weren't around with Wii Sports, pick it up. Like I said, it's 40 bucks. Um, they'll have lots of fun, you know, as a way to keep them quiet for a while. Um, the online features for us older people, um, you know, will probably won't hold this as much. It'll be, it, it's a much better party game than one, two switches. Um, just because those games were confusing and, you know, uh, not fun in some cases. So um, I do recommend it if you like having your Switch for like a, as a party console um, with friends or get togethers or, you know, family gatherings. You know, it's, it's a good pickup for that. Um, yeah, so I'll probably stream it again a couple times, maybe. Um, we'll definitely have it for extra life. Um, so just be on the lookout for that. And, um, I was literally, I would say if I had time in my day, I would have possibly gone back on my bullshit with Call of Duty. <laughs> I opened Vanguard while I was waiting for something else to Uh-oh. download. <laughs> and I was like, oh. did you I just watch? Yeah. You. Yeah. Like, then I just watched, <laughs> and then I just watched the intro for Snoop Dogg. Um, Cause yeah, you can buy Snoop Dogg skin now. Oh, and interesting. Um, and I just watched that and then I closed it out um, because. <laughs> Yeah, the reason I went on there was a fun thing. Um, I don't know how Sony was able to do this, but FIFA 22 is their free game for Plus this week hmm. um, for PS5. And it's not even like on the EA store on Xbox, um, like their free version um, yeah. on consoles. So I don't know how I don't know how much money Sony gave EA to go. Let us have it free before you even get it free. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> wow. Um, but yeah, so I picked that up, obviously, because now I don't have to um you know worry about xbox taking the game down because when you get it from plus it's yours you purchased it um when you're playing it off ea's thing or game uh game pass they could take it mm-hmm. away at any time right wow so that was fun uh but yeah yeah i'm looking forward to um you know possibly getting back into call of duty but um probably won't be for long because then i'll find out that there's a bunch of cheaters on there and then i'll just back out but <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, and I downloaded a couple games for uh, PC that I didn't get the chance to play just because it's been real busy um, mm-hmm. here. There's a game called Norco, which is like a real short, like, I guess, visual novel type game that I've heard a lot about. And um, yeah, and then I grabbed something called Loot River that was free, um, either Game Pass or something on Xbox um, that I've heard things about. Um, it's supposed to be like some kind of soul. It's like everybody uses souls like, um, mm-hmm. but, you know. That could mean anything. It could mean it has a bonfire, and that's I it. I think I heard that it was a like action roguelike where you, it's they're using Souls like to talk about the combat that it's about um dodge rolling and being okay. slower paced and more um deliberate. Okay, yeah. Anytime you hear Souls like, it could be like I said, it could be as much as it's gameplay yeah. they're describing, or it could be just like the same points or bonfires. Um, because I yeah. heard I heard the the Final Fantasy game you hate described as a souls like because of the oh it is the save points it is it's not just the um save points okay neo is like very much a souls like and they stranger paradise is based on that so okay so makes sense yeah 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 and i'm i'm thinking about getting rogue legacy too but i don't know if I'll take the plunge because i don't have the time um to get into uh, a roguelike game like that and get any where 
deep into it, but I also said the same thing about Hades and it ended up being my game of the year. So, <laughs> yeah, so that's about all for me. A um, little light week um, as I've been, I've been kind of busy um, around here. We had a D&D session and all that. So, um, Jen, what do we have in the news? We have some fun stuff to talk about. Um, so... For those of you listening, if you are a regular regular listener, you will remember a few epi- episodes ago we talked about E3 being canceled. We had a really good discussion about our thoughts behind it. Um, it has been announced that Summer Game Fest is going to be airing in June, which seems to have taken its spot. Um, oh, yeah, so the, Jeff Healy. Yeah, I was going to say, you're going to be excited about this next part. The first broadcast is going to air on June 9th at 2 p.m. Eastern time with the live show hosted by Jeff Keeley. Um, they have also announced the show is going to be streamed on basically every platform. So YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, you name it. You should not have a problem finding it, which is awesome. Um, and then what they're doing is after the premiere of Summer Game Fest, it's going to switch to be Day of the Devs, where indie game developers are going to be able to show off what they've been working on, which is really awesome. Um, and uh, according to GameSpot, developers have been submitting games for consideration to be included in that part of the show. Um, but that's not all. Summer Games Fest website says to stay tuned for its announcements on even more partners that are going to be as a part of the show. So it's kind of like an evolving show. Yeah. Um, and again, actually, going back to when we were talking about this a few episodes ago, we were kind of assuming that or hoping that studios were going to wind up doing their own showcase broadcasts, since that seems to be the way to go with E3 not around anymore. Um, and so far, Summer Game Fest. Uh, on their website noted that Microsoft is holding an Xbox and Bethesda game showcase on June 12th. So that yeah, should be a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, you knew that was going to happen. Um, yeah. And I think the number one thing at that showcase, or maybe it's my hope, would probably be Starfield. It's probably going to be the big thing there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Microsoft has any big first party, unless unless a Forza 8 shows up, which should show up this year, but who knows. Um, right. But I'm excited that someone's keeping um, this this tradition going. Yeah. Um, I had fun doing the press conferences last year. I didn't take off the sh- to do it um, because, you know, taking the, the time off from work and then the amount of people that actually showed up to me talking over the press conferences wasn't wasn't 100 percent worth it. So right, right. Uh, we'll just do the night press conferences or at least yeah. I will. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to see uh, what Keely can pull together. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, without knowing the man personally, it seems like all, all you hear from people that would be very cynical about it, um, you know, v- uh, poke fun in a friendly way at him, mm-hmm. which tells <laughs> to me that he's not, a, uh, he's not a bad guy. Right. Know? Everyone likes him enough to be friendly with yeah. him like that. Yeah. Like they, uh, like Giant Bomb brings up, they have three Jeffs on staff that spelled mm-hmm. J-E-F-F and he spells it G-O. Yeah. G-E-O-F. <laughs> And they said we should start a podcast with the with the four of us where we just yell at him for spelling his name wrong for two hours. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, because that's probably been drunk conversations they've had. Yep, a hundred percent. But uh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm excited. I'm you know, uh I know there's some people out there that um because it's not official stuff might not be as excited, but mm-hmm. um I like I like it being all throughout the summer too. Yeah, that's like, I, nice. I, yeah, I want my concentrated, like, give me the Sony, Microsoft, you know, right. stuff in early June. Right, uh, the major stuff. So I can set my expectations for the rest of the year. Yeah. Then, then you give me things to be hyped about for the six weeks before John Madden comes down from his mountain <laughs> and announces that video games can 
the blockbuster video games can be released um, for for the second half of the year. But yeah, yeah, it's fun. I'm glad. I'm yeah. glad you brought it up. I was going to mention it if you did. Yep, yep. I I was I was sure that you had heard about it and you were very excited about it. Um, and uh, like you said, I'm sure since it's going to be all summer, maybe you know a little slow at times with with getting announcements and stuff, but. If you need examples of in the past announcements that have come from Summer Games Fest, um, I believe last year they actually were the place that announced Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. And I think they also aired some um, Elden Ring gameplay trailers before, you know, before the game launched. So I'm excited, too. I think it's going to be fun to see what the show brings us, especially without E3. It'll be interesting to see how everything evolves in, the, in its wake. So, yeah. But yeah, moving on. Uh, Square Enix has announced that they are selling off its three major Western game studios. So that is Crystal Dynamics, Eidos Montreal, and Square Enix Montreal. Um, and along with those studios comes their big game names like Tomb Raider, Dusex, and Thief. So currently, these properties are set to be acquired by Embracer Group for about $300 million. They're and being What? I said they're being embraced. Yes, they are being embraced. Uh, and this is set to be finalized anywhere between this July and September. So pretty soon. Yeah. Um, the acquisition in total is about 1,100 employees. So they're spread across three studios and eight global locations. So it's a lot of people. Um, yeah. And Embracer Group has confirmed they will own more than 50 back catalog games. And um, among the games that are already in development... Crystal Dynamics has just recently announced that they're working on a new Tomb Raider title, so Embracer's going to have ownership of that, too. Um, and I wasn't too knowledgeable on Embracer Group, so I kind of looked into it. Oh, boy. It it's gigantic. It operates <laughs> more than 100 studios, including yep. Borderlands developer Gearbox, Saber Interactive, THQ Nordic, and most surprising to me, they also own Dark Horse. Had yes. no idea. Yes, they. So that's pretty they, interesting. I believe the exact number was 124 before this acquisition. Right. Um, something crazy like that. Um, and yeah, they all they most of their acquisitions came during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, and I I think the fun thing is is like they they sort of started when like the THQ stuff was getting sold off. Mm -hmm. Um, that's how they sort of started collecting things. Uh, but yeah, they're they're like a they're like a whatever they're called. Pokemon hunters or whatever. Um, Poke masters. That's it. Sure. Yeah. Megacorp. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Just that. Gobbling yes. up everything. Um, <laughs> two fun things about this. Um, one, I want, I think I'm not 100% because I don't have any sources. I'm a newsman. Um, but I think if uh, Microsoft didn't have uh, the issues they were having, sort of, not issues, it'll still go through with Activision. Mm -hmm. um stuff i think they would have picked up crystal dynamics um just because of the, the relationships they had and they would want tomb raider mm. uh, you know uh, under their umbrella um but i think uh embracer was able to swoop in and grab this stuff because uh the only person that would grab things like that is currently not wanting to piss off the ftc right now <laughs> um and grab, and grab more things despite the fact that embracer is bigger than that um but i think this could go one of two ways. I'd like to get your opinion on this. I don't know if this is Square just finally cutting off the redheaded stepchild sort of thing where they blamed everything on the Western studios. So they're finally like, we're just going to get rid of them because they just cost us money um, and just sort of focus more on their stuff. 
or if they're trying to cut off the Western studios to make themselves more attractive to like a certain Japanese company that might want to purchase them. Um, so the all of the headlines I saw about this were Square Enix sells off um, major studios so that it can bet big on blockchain or on um, uh, crypto okay. on crypto. That was C that I did not anticipate. Yeah, <laughs> that I, I didn't read into those stories, but I saw mm-hmm. multiple headlines that were that. Um, and there's a couple things I wanted to add about this one. Uh, Mark already hinted at this, that on the last podcast, we were talking about how Square Enix um, has completely unrealistic expectations of its Western studios and like refuses to ever acknowledge any of their successes um, or let them do sequels. And when they are extremely lenient with all of their Japanese studios, um, these are like specifically the studios we were talking about that. um, And I I think Tomb Raider was one of those games where like it did really well, despite the fact that Square Enix didn't really like promote it at all, but because it didn't hit completely impossible numbers, they were like, Oh, this is a complete failure. Yeah. Um, The next thing I wanted to mention is that, um, this is coming out at the same, or this is happening at the same time as um, Yuji Naka posted his stuff about his experience with Balan Wonderworld with Square Enix, um, which is an IP they kept. Yeah. So, uh, did you did you two see this story? I, I saw that he so, said the reason the game sucks is because he got fired. So, <laughs> well, it's it's more than that. So, um, okay. Balan Wonderworld came out a year or two ago. And um, it was billed as a new experimental platformer by um, Yuji Naka, who is the um, was the like one of the lead creators of Sonic the Hedgehog, as well as um, Knights into Dreams. Yeah, which are like obviously beloved, whatever. Um, so the like a week last week, um, Yuji Naka posted on Twitter that. Um, Square fired him six months before Balan Wonderworld was released. And because he was in a lawsuit against um, against them about it, he was part of that was that he was not allowed to make any comments at all regarding Balan Wonderworld. And so he is this is the first time that he's allowed to say that they had that he had been fired because Square Enix did not say, like I said, this game was billed as being created by um, the new property by Yuji Naka. Yeah, they had fired him six months before they released the game. They did not tell anyone they had fired him. They um, and he was not allowed to tell anybody that he had been fired. And also, he, he said that when he left, the game was not at all ready to ship. And his claim is that Square Enix shoved it out of the door with no support when it was unfinished, and that's why it was a. There, there were not a lot of people like hyped for this game because it was supposed to be an experimental new 3D platformer, but absolutely everybody was um, uh, trashing it when it came out. Yeah. Um, that, like, that's how people know about this game is because everybody was making fun of how bad it was when it was released. Um, so the thing here is that it's one, this is just like Yuji Naka's side of the story, and obviously he um, is biased, and we don't have a lot of details of like what exactly happened. And he has had a number of other games in the past that like weren't particularly good. And um, like also a number of the things people didn't like in this game were like core design decisions, which obviously would have been made before he, the game was released. However, um, this and Stranger Paradise both came out at the same time. 
or um, Stranger Paradise came out recently, and that Stranger Paradise has so many like issues that are or weird things about it that are like very clearly that they did not have the budget they expected to. Like, um, there there is no town. There you talk to NPCs from a menu because they didn't implement putting people in a town, <laughs> which is obviously something they must have done for budget reasons and is very weird. Yep. Um, so this, that lends credence to the, um, their claim or his claim that they pushed Balan run the world out the door way before it was ready and just left it to die. Um, and then of course, when the game came out and it was hated, they were like, Oh, well that's, uh, it must be that Yuji Naka is not that good. And they were like pushing, um, yeah. letting him take all the blame when he had been fired. <laughs> yeah. That's... You can't blame him when he's yeah. been fired months before you release the game. Yeah. Right. And um, so all of these things, this and um, cutting off crystal dynamics and stuff are all like very public glaring issues with Square Enix executive leadership that like this all makes their makes it look like the people who are in charge of Square Enix it makes them look like terrible people who do not care about like making good games. Um, in addition to the thing of like, if they are selling off three of their beloved studios that are known for making really, really good, very um, popular games so that they can invest in crypto. Yeah. Very, very shitty and scummy. And I <laughs> am extremely disappointed um, with what the, that company is doing. The last thing is, also, Crystal Dynamics, the last thing they did was Avengers, which they, from the things that I heard, it sounds like they did not want to do that, and they did not think they were a good fit for that, because everybody in the world can see that they're not a good fit for that. Um, they were good at making Tomb Raider, which is like primarily a platformer and stuff, and then they were put to work making Avengers, which is a live-service third-person action RPG which is not at all the thing that they're known for. So I'm hoping that this will be that the um, these studios will be happy about this change and that they will get to work on things that they have been wanting to do. Yeah. Like a new Tomb Raider game and whatever. Yeah. Agreed. I think um, if anyone listening has thoughts on the acquisition as well, we'd like to hear it. So if you want to share with us on Twitter, we'd be glad to chat with you about it some more. Um, moving on. I think... I think at least I, I'm assuming both of you will be interested in this, but Jonathan, especially, um, or at least I'd like to get your thoughts. So on April 27th, Gameloft Montreal announced their brand new game called Disney Dreamlight Valley, which is basically going to be a Disney themed simulator adventure game. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen the trailer, but to me, this game reminds me of a mix between Kingdom Hearts and Animal Crossing. Um, okay. As as yeah, <laughs> as the trailer explains. There's this magical world where all of our favorite Disney characters live. And over time, unfortunately, this world has fallen into darkness by the Forgotten, which takes this form of like evil, twisted, thorny vines. So as the hero of the game, players will be given the quest to restore Dreamlight Valley while uncovering mysterious secrets as to how you even got to this world. Um, and at the same time, you're exploring all these realms that are set, you know, within the classic Disney and Pixar movies. And you're also helping these characters, you know, like Mickey and Elsa and the Little Mermaid, etc. 
they're trying to get their memories back and um you know recover recover what was lost from the forgotten so basically from what i've seen in the trailer it looks very kingdom heart-esque in that regard but then the animal crossing element will take place because as you save and collect characters to the restored area of dreamlight valley you build relationships with them so you can gift them things and there's activities you could do with each character so um, there's cooking, there's fishing, there's like planting gardens. There's also a ton of outfit choices, home design elements, and even like multiple biomes that you can decide to build your house in. Um, and I think one of the coolest things about this is that they have already announced that they're going to continue to update this game constantly with like new content and stuff like that. So I don't know if you guys have seen this trailer, um, and that includes our listeners. If if you haven't, and you're a fan of Disney and Animal and Animal Crossing and Kingdom Hearts, I would definitely recommend checking out the trailer. It looks very interesting. Um, and they also announced that it's going to be available as early access on PS5 and PS4 this summer if you purchase a Founders Pack. Um, if not, free to play launches in 2023 sometime. So thoughts? Yeah. Not no. interested. Not nearly yeah. enough zippers on the characters. <laughs> Not nearly enough Very zippers. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. there are like over a hundred outfits, so you never know. There's, I, I just know there are not going to be enough zippers. To, <laughs> There'll never <laughs> be enough zippers for you. <laughs> yeah, it's not enough yeah. to be Kingdom Hearts. Nope. <laughs> yeah, the uh, I, I, I like the idea of Disney possibly figuring out that the phenomenon, the phenomenon of Disney adults, mm-hmm. um, could work in like a home video game market sure yeah like hey we got all these people that just love to come here without kids why don't we just make games for the systems they own we don't have to put our things on phones and switches and stuff like that <laughs> um they've grown up so have ps5 so we'll play this game um but yeah it it just remind it it really reeks of of that sort of thing where it's like hey it's another thing that we just slap you know mickey on and you know or or whatever characters are going to put on the front probably going to be Mickey, but um yeah, Mickey's included. Yeah, sure. yeah, I'm so yeah. I, if they didn't, I would like have questions. Are they going <laughs> to are they going to allow the copyright to go away? Um, but yeah, I I what I'm interested in, and I wouldn't play this, but I would keep an eye on like Twitter and stuff to see if it's discovered. Is if how deep they go into Disney stuff? Like, does Oswald show up? Um, the weird fucked up bunny mouse thing from early black and white Disney stuff. Um, I think it was an Epic Mickey for a more recent reference to this. Um, like, or is it just the core stuff that we've seen before and they just try to milk? Butter? Yeah. Like, I mean, I that's a good point. I think from what I've seen in the trailer, it, it's a lot of core, but you never know. Yeah, new content. Like, you know, you, you, you could get some, and I'm not using, I was going to use the word idiot, but that, that you could get somebody that would pay money to have, like a really obscure Disney character skin. Yeah. Um, if like they got it, they got to learn how to tap into that greed mark, which Disney <laughs> should be able to definitely a gotcha. So yeah, that's yeah. the purpose of it. Yeah. yeah. But they got, they got to know that you could, you could milk money from getting these things like, Oh, never hasn't been. We just released this from the vault. The vault. Or, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and get those Disney adults to jump all over it. Um, but yeah, That'd be interesting. I'm not surprised they're doing a Founders Pack for the reasons I just mentioned. They want to make sure they get money before it goes free to play or whatever they're going to do with it. Yeah. Um, up front to capture those people that will give them money for anything. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see um, 
if this catches on. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It'll just be I, I want to see if it like all these new weird games that come out and stuff. Um, that's not geared towards us. I like to see if it percolates like my nieces. Mm-hmm. Like if they start talking about it. Um, yeah. Like the fact that Genshin reached my ten, my eleven-year-old niece. <laughs> right. Um, you know, it, it's sort of it's like, oh, okay, that's getting through a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just scared that I somebody has mentioned that games like this and and it's like in three to five years, all games are going to look like Roblox, like in terms of the way that's structured, mm-hmm. like the large percentage, because the kids that grew up with that stuff are now going to be the, that's you know, true. the ones with the money. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, yeah, it, it'll be interesting as we get older and see the, because we're going to be the first generation has lived through, like had games our whole lives. Yeah. You know, and to see the evolution. Um, so quirky stuff like this where <laughs> Disney's jumping into free-to-play stuff on consoles. It's going to be, yeah, I'm just interested in stuff like that. I don't know how much it connects to the story you mentioned, but um, that was the first thing that popped in my head when you said free-to-play Disney game. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting, like you said, to see who it reaches. I feel like, in a way, like, I don't know when this game started to be developed or anything like that, but, you know, we a while ago talked about how Animal Crossing released their last really big update. And now yeah. it's just like small maintenance updates going forward. I wonder if they're kind of capitalizing on that, hoping that people are like, man, you know, Animal Crossing is, you know, done being updated. Maybe we can try a new game and, yeah. you know, have those same elements. But we love Disney, too. And this seems perfect. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see. Like you said, too, how many characters start out, you know, what what characters are starting out in the game and what they add to it. I'm sure we'll hear something about it. I feel like a lot of the diehard Kingdom Hearts fans are going to have an opinion either for or against it. Yeah. So we'll hear about it, I'm sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Interesting. And hopefully they'll add more zippers to the attire. So my last my last story is a funny I think it's funny. Um, there's this adorable children's toy called, um, the Fisher Price Game and Learn. It's, I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's a toy controller and it has all these buttons resembling a regular controller, but depending on what button you push, they play sounds, um, or they sing songs or they're teaching the kid like what color it is, the button is, or what letter they pressed. So it's, it's a cute little, you know, way for a kid to feel like they're playing a game with their parents and, and they're learning at the same time. So there's a modder. Uh, his name is Dylan Beck. He goes by Rudeism on Twitter. He has turned this toy into a completely modded Xbox gamepad. Um, yes. He has videos available on his Twitter if anyone's interested. In one of them, he demonstrated his ability to play Elden Ring with this thing, which is really hilarious because while he's moving around, the game controller is singing to him. <laughs> <laughs> or it's like lighting up and and mm-hmm. it just sounds hilarious to be playing that kind of a game with that controller. Yeah. Um, he also posted another video where he apparently pulled off a 1 million point combo in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater using this controller. So he's, uh, I, I kind of like dug into his Twitter after this and he's he's definitely an interesting content creator. He, um, aside from this, previously he beat Dark Souls 3 with a single button Morse code controller. Um, he built a motion-controlled lightsaber and force power glove for the Fallen Order game. And my personal favorite, he designed his own flap, waddle, and honk controls for Untitled Goose Game. So, of course, I followed him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, so 
stuff like this makes me laugh because, and also very impressed because of the creativity that people have. And it's not surprising, like you said, that this was modded by somebody. Um, but his videos are great. If you guys, it's, it's a game, it's a toy that I think would get annoying very quickly for a parent as it is. But when you're trying to use it as a controller, it reaches levels of annoying way faster than you'd think. Yeah, um, I think I think the worst part about it is if um it is if your kid depending on how young you give it to them, they might confuse your controllers for it. Yeah, that's true too. Um and that may become a problem. Um Yep. Yeah, your controller goes flying across the room into a wall. Yeah. But that um yeah, modding that stuff is always interesting to me. Yeah. Um, you know, uh like people that uh actually get it to work well and I love the few times when actual um companies have tried to do and they fail miserably and you don't wonder why they don't hire these people right um, like uh, i think of the donkey congas um of being used for a platformer you could hit the congas yep. to jump and run yep um and you know and you think of the light gun stuff that happened uh, and then that was just fresh in my head because i was listening to the game historian did it with light guns a while ago but um yeah it's just I, it always amazes me that these people do these crazy things with it, but you never see um, any company out there come out with something like weird. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I I don't know, but maybe I just don't know how companies like that work. Right. Yeah. Very interesting stuff. If anyone's interested in following him, um, he's Rudism. So R U D E I S M. Yeah. That's that does it for our news segment today. All right. So um, uh, I'm. Glad Jen and Jonathan are here um, for this topic because I want to make sure that I get exactly down um, what we're talking about. Um, I believe the topic um, in uh, light of, I guess, some of the Tiny Tina stuff we've been doing and uh, is um, favorite companions in games that are both rideable and not rideable. Yeah, exactly. Okay, you got it. Um, So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think that's one of the fun things if you get into Wednesday at twitch.tv slash gameballpod um, is that each of us has, you know, well, two of us have what's called the companion, and I think Jonathan's skull is like part of his character, not so much a companion. It is a companion. Yep. It is I a companion. Okay. Yep. Okay. Um, so that all of us have a companion in that game. And that led Jonathan and, and Jen to um, think of this category. And um, I'll let either one of you s- start there because. I think we're doing one rideable, one non-rideable, sort of the gist, or... I kind of just mixed, like, mixed them all together. Okay. So, but yeah, Jonathan, why don't you start, since you're our yeah. our guest. Mine's going to be pretty fast. So, mountable thing. Um, Rathian and Monster Hunter Rise. So, in Monster Hunter Rise, you get to ride the monsters, and you get to make them attack other monsters. So, I like Rathian because, one, it's a wyvern. It's always fun to, fl- to ride around on a wyvern. Mm-hmm. Two, um, it does a lot of damage, and um, the so the basic attack is that you shoot fireballs, which is great, and then the like heavy attack is that you do a um, tail flip and slap stuff with the uh, tail, which is has like a poisonous stinger. Mm-hmm. So you light the monster on fire and then do a flip and poison them, and then uh, it it's a lot of fun. Yeah, um, companion. For Raligator, I one of my favorite things in Pokemon is that you show up to a gym 
and they're like, we love cute Pokemon. Look at how cute our Pokemon, how cute our normal type Pokemon are or something like that. And then they um, pull out something that's like round and looks fluffy um, or squishy or whatever. And then you're like, okay, my turn. And then you just pull out this gigantic monster um, and use an attack like crunch to just <laughs> destroy this tiny little um, thing in front of you and then kill it in one hit. And they're like, uh, I need to re <laughs> I need to rethink my strategy. <laughs> I love <Yeah>. it. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll go next. How many, how I have a lot. I don't know you, if you I have, go. Like, I, I think length. I only have, I think I only have two or three. Maybe. Oh gosh. Okay. All right. Um, just to quickly mention Monster Hunter Rise, I, I don't have this on my list, but I agree. Rathian is always like when we're hunting a certain monster and Rathian happens to be in the area, I'm like, hell yeah. And I go and get him and I bring him in. He's great. Um, but my Monster Hunter Rise, uh, submission was actually just in general, the Palicos and Palamutes. Um, I think they're super cute and they're really fun to utilize depending on how you want to use them. Um, the Palicos technically existed in Monster Hunter World, which came out first, but they brought them back for Rise. And then they also introduced Palamutes. I don't think that they were around in previous no. Monster Hunter games. Um, so if you don't know, Palicos are these really cute cat creatures. And then Palamutes are dog-like creatures that can either be a mount or like a battle buddy companion type thing. So um, they're good companions, not just to look at, but they're very helpful. You can have them find items. They can heal you in battle. Like I said, they can also help battle the monsters so i thought that was really cool that they you know have something like that in that game but that was my first one that also leads to one of my favorite um phrases about speedrunning, which is that um uh in monster hunter rise speedruns, there's the double dog meta um that the the I, optimal strategy is to have two dogs with you instead of a dog and a cat mm-hmm it's just very fun to say double dog meta. <laughs> double dog meta. <laughs> it sounds very cool. <laughs> yeah. All right. So um, mine, um, I'm going to uh, go with a very obvious one um, right off the bat for rideable for me, um, uh, which is uh, I, I, I love me some chocobos. Mm, yeah, give, yeah. Me, give me a good chocobo <laughs> song um, nice. while, I'm, while I'm riding a chocobo. Um, <laughs> I, I do enjoy it. I spent way too much time in the uh, Chocobo Ranch area of Final Fantasy 15 um, <laughs> because they was like, hey, you can ride Chocobos here. And I would just ride them around just to listen to the music. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, they're just the iteration of them in every game. I mean, they have, you know, it, as it's going on more recently, they've been, you know, one note for, for what they do. Um, but like you go back to seven and it's like they're basically horse or like racing or ground uh, 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 greyhound racing sort of thing um, that occurs with them. Um, and, and in five, he's like a companion, um, you know, in Boko. Um, but yeah, I think I think they're very distinctive and, and definitely my favorite riding animal. Um, I was I was going to try and cheat and say the duck that carries you around and link to the past, but you don't technically <laughs> ride him. He carries you. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I'll go with Chocobos. Um, my, and, uh, my favorite, um, uh, for this category for companion, non-rideable category, um, is, uh, uh, Nick Valentine from Fallout 4. This, for those of you who don't know, this is the noir detective robot, um, that you find in the game that, um, 
it's just basically a robot or like a bro like a one that's sort of had um if i remember correctly like his his chips all messed up so he thinks he's like a 50s noir detective mm -hmm. um or i guess for fallout it would be then detective um since that's all based in that time frame um and you know i love finding the coat for him to, and coat and hat to put <laughs> on him so that he looks like it and he yep. was my companion throughout that entire game nice uh, for uh, just just because of that um i tend to as you'll um hear if it uh bounces back to me um my last two are both from the same game also i i mainly shows that i tend to once i like a companion i keep them and i don't switch off um for strategic purposes mm -hmm. and so um i don't know if jonathan has any more if we want to bounce back to jen that was it yeah okay um so my next i grouped them together uh they're technically two mounts but they're from zelda so i just put them together so first i want to mention epona um okay. Classic, probably one of the most recognizable or, mounts in video games. Um, Either way, what? What'd you say? Oh, I'm sorry, no, I didn't say anything. <laughs> you said Epina. I didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> must have must have been my headphones. <laughs> um, when she first appeared in Ocarina of Time, which is one of my favorite Zelda games, I fell in love with her. I'm also out of out of context here. I'm like I'm a super horse girl, so I love anything that has to do with horses. And if you have a horse in a video game, I'm already Jen. a big fan of it. Jen, let's 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 roll back. Uh huh. You're a girl who likes horses. I you are you yes. are not a horse girl. Those I am are, a girl who likes horses. Because there sure. those are two different things. Okay. <laughs> uh yeah. So if you have a horse in a video game, I'm already a super huge fan of it. Um, and Epona is amazing, or however you want to say it. She's super pretty. Um. She made it very difficult to get across the landscape quickly. You can get around enemies a lot easier. You can jump across a ravine at one point, thanks to her. So, And her theme music is so cute in Ocarina of Time. It makes me all emotional. Probably because it's nostalgic, but it's just really yeah. cute. Um, and then the other one, I guess if you've played Breath of the Wild, you may or may not know about this mount. Um, his name is the Lord of the Mountain. Um, it's kind of like a hidden gem in the game. He basically resembles an ethereal kind of spirit horse mixed with like a deer. And if you know what a bloopy is, um, okay. he can only be found on Santori Mountain in Breath of the Wild. And he mainly shows up at night, but it's totally random. You can not see him for like real time weeks waiting for him to show up. Um, but there's this like bluish green glow that comes from the mountain when he's there. And he's in this really pretty area and you basically have to have more than two full stealth wheels and stealth armor to be able to sneak up on him. And if you um, are able to tame him while he's like trying to throw you off, you can actually ride him around as a mount. Um, the catch is that you can't register him at a stable. So if you dismount for too long, he'll disappear. But he's super fast and he has infinite stamina and he looks really awesome. So he was a... Uh, a major distraction for me <laughs> to beating that game because I found out about him and I was like, I need to do this. I need this mount. So I did it eventually, but it was just from waiting for him to spawn randomly yeah. and then trying to like sneak up on him. It took a long time, but that was a, a very proud achievement of mine in that game. Yeah. So my final three um, all come from the same game, which is why I kept them to um, the second go around here. And I like them all for different reasons. Um, so obviously I'm talking about the three companions or I guess partners or whatever you want to call them in Metal Gear Solid 5. Um, 
the my favorite part about um D horse speaking of horses mm-hmm. um is that um you can use him in all very unique situations like you can sort of ride on the side of his body past guards um and at no point are like oh why is a horse here um going by and also the thing where at one point if you get enough trust with them you can just have uh, keith or Sutherland yell at the horse and go do it and then the horse takes a shit um <laughs> and it just it's just really stupid that's um, immersion yeah that's immersion mm-hmm. <laughs> do it um i also enjoyed d dog he wasn't as effective as the one that i will talk about in a second but he was a good boy in the sense that he would be able to sneak up um, on guards, um, either lethal or non-lethal. Obviously, I played mostly non-lethal. Um, so it was always fun to give him like a stun knife or something and just watch him in the distance um, run across and then all of a sudden the guards would shake and drop. Uh, so it was fun. Um, but uh, you did have to uh, be in particular situations with him. Um, he would go off on his own, so um, sometimes he would be out of an area where you didn't really uh, need him to be. He was fun. But the one I used the most was Quiet. Her sniper ability, you can just set her up in the mountains, give her some tranquilizer darts, and bing, bang, boom, uh, just clear out an area, especially in Afghanistan. Um, it was fun playing the uh, game with her there, but I don't know, that's, that, that's my favorite part of doing a companion, is that um, I wanted to be make the game a little bit easier on me. Yeah, so that's the main reason why I, I kept using Quiet. She uh, made, made everything very trivial. Um, I could look past the really grossed out stuff that Kojima did with her um, throughout the game just because it helped me get through the game when I was particularly good at stealth in daytime situations. Um, but yeah, so that game um, are three compa- companions. Um, that I think of a lot when you think of the category we were coming up with here. So, um, Jen, do you have anything else? Yep. I will um, trim my list down from six plus, and I'll just name one more. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'll list really fast my honorable mentions. So my fourth, my my third, I don't even know what we're on. My third favorite um, is also a mount. They are the machines from Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, And there's a few that I specifically like the most. Um, they're just the machine creatures in Horizon were one of the first aspects that really hooked me to the game because of how unique of a concept it was. Um, and there's a ton of species of machines um, that you can tame in the game or use to your advantage in some way or just totally, you know, murder. But my favorite mountable machines are the striders, which no surprise resemble a horse. And then the chargers, who are a bit more aggressive than the striders, but also kind of resemble horses. <laughs> um, so it's just, it's nice to be able to travel quickly, you know, past, past enemies, outrun enemies, be able to attack someone on, on a mountable machine. So that's a lot of fun. And I also wanted to mention the tall necks. They're not technically a mount, but they deserve a mention, in my opinion, because of how freaking cool they are. They're basically, if you haven't seen one, they're like a giant mechanical giraffe and they're huge. Like they tower over everything. And if you time it right, you could jump off of like a cliff onto a tall neck and you have to climb up its body. Then you can kind of just hang out on its head while it walks around Um, and you could hack into it and it clears up new areas on your map to, you know, go exploring further, which is really helpful. But just the design of it was so awesome that the first time I saw it, I was like, what the heck is that? 
But yeah, Horizon Zero Dawn's machines are very, very cool. So I had to mention. Um, but like I said, I trimmed my list down. I had mentioned um, the Dragon and Drake mounts from World of Warcraft back in the day when I was beyond obsessed with that game. Um, Dog Meat from Fallout, specifically the Fallout 4 version. Okay. He's amazing. Love him. Best boy. And then I have to mention Pikachu and Yoshi, of course, as classic yeah. companions. So yeah, that's it for me. I'm glad you mentioned Yoshi because I avoided Yoshi thinking it was too obvious. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm already saying Chocobo, so I can't right. really say Yoshi too. Yeah. Um, I, I couldn't leave him out, but I didn't want to like, you know, like you said, have like a, a discussion about him. So one of my favorite, it was either TikTok or Vine, which shows how old we are, um, <laughs> that was like it did like really slow dramatic music yes jump over a pit yes i've seen this it's heartbreaking <laughs> um but yeah yeah the, the, well that's what he's good for mm -hmm. so anyway moving on um i think all we got left is uh let's talk about this week's game it's been a long time coming um mm -hmm. dragon guard has been brought up a bunch on this podcast and streams um so i'm glad that we finally got into it um, I know Jonathan has some opinions about it as someone yes. that really enjoyed the game <laughs> um, and has played it for many, many years. And um, yeah, go ahead. no, I haven't played it for many, many years. But um, I, I figure I should start by saying why I asked you guys to do this in the first place, because yeah. that was a very long time ago. So yeah. I'm pretty sure I first suggested that y'all play Drakengard when Near Replicant was released, yeah. because if I remember correctly, None of the three main co-hosts for GVP have ever played near or near Automata, right? Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah, which still true is yeah. Um, <laughs> which I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like you should very much play at least one of them, probably near Automata, um, just because they it uses video games as a storytelling medium in very interesting ways. Um, and I suggested Drakengard when Near Replicant came out because this is the first game in that like series. And Yokotaro's first big game, he's like the main creator behind all of those. And um, then also because I'm pretty sure that Tom would hate this game. Um, and so then mostly as a joke, I just kept suggesting it constantly <laughs> since then. Um, so however, like... I think I was mentioning this before the podcast um, or no, I, I don't remember. Anyways, um, I went revisiting this game or when I was a teenager, I really liked this game. Like when I got it on PS2, when that was the latest console. Um, and then later on, I heard people talk about it as like a weird cultural artifact that, oh, it's interesting that this is the start of um, this series where and that people generally consider like near and near automata to be when like these games get good. Um, and I don't agree with that at all. I actually like, think I like dragon guard better than like, I like dragon guard one better than near or near automata. Um, and I feel very vindicated in childhood. The childhood me really liked this game. Yeah. Um, I have lots more things to say, but okay. that's all I want to say for it. I want to <laughs> let you two speak. Okay. Um, I'll go, um, uh, first here. Um, so I think my main issue that'll separate me a little bit more from what, um, my enjoyment of the game compared to Jonathan is, 
um, that I I got really frustrated with the camera controls, and I don't yep. know if it was something I had set up and all um, wrong or the game itself set up that way. Um, but I think that was my one big problem with it. I do love the idea. I played some, you know, uh, at Dynasty Warrior games and stuff before, where you just hit a whole lot of people in one group, and it's satisfying to kill like a hundred people at once um, with one special move. Um, so that part of the game was fun, but the, the camera stuff just got me lost too much. Um, uh, the story is, is pretty, I, I guess I'd have to play longer to understand it, or maybe just play it and then go, okay, Jonathan, you tell let's, me what, what let's happened. start with the story. Um, because <laughs> this is the part where I most want, I know Jen has to run in a little bit, I think. And this is the part that I most want to hear both of your input on. Okay. So, um, this beginning of the story is like fairly basic and pretty simple that, Kaim is um, a person in the Union who are the good guys. And um, they are under attack by the Empire who are the bad guys. And um, the Union is losing. And so Kaim makes a pact with a dragon. Uh, Kaim hates dragons because his parents were killed by a dragon. And the dragon hates humans because, um, well... Humans are a misanthrope. It's like it's like her main personality trait. But no, just like normal humanity is bad, sci-fi stuff, whatever. Um, and so that's all very basic. But then I asked you both to watch the endings Mm -hmm. to see how first that those cutscenes are beautiful. Like they were PS2 game, yeah. Yeah, especially for a PS2 game, but like still just in general, like I still think they look really good and spectacular. The the CGI like is very dated and whatever, but I still think it like actually holds up, which is not a thing you can say about a lot of two, uh, <laughs> CGI from 2003. Yep. Um, the other reason I want you to watch those endings is to see how vastly different they are. Because one of the really cool things about this game is that when they say, we need to hurry to this village, um, you actually have to go quickly. If you don't complete that mission, um, the mission you do next depends on how quickly you do that mission. So specific, if you complete your current mission fast enough, you make it to the village in time in order to save people or whatever. If you don't make it in time, then the peop- the village has been destroyed. And that branches the story. So, um, hmm. the f- <laughs> yeah, which is just, and it branches the story so much. Um, that it just makes Mass Effect look like way worse. Like you do not have different endings and you don't even have different endings in Mass Effect compared to um, what's in Dra- uh, in Drakengard here. So, what are you talking about, Jonathan? You get to choose three different colors at the end of the third game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the five different endings. I Even when I explain these, it's not going to make a lot of sense. Yeah. But as, again, the point is just for you to see how vastly different they are and how wild the story gets. So ending A, very basic. Um, they defeat the villain in time. And um, however, the uh, furry eye has been killed and she's one of the seals that is holding back the evil. And so um, the dragon volunteers to replace her at, um, so that he, as the one of the seals in order to keep evil locked away. And um, the the dragon does this because she has uh, Kaim has changed her mind and made her think that not all humans are bad. And um, like, okay. very, very simple. 
um, sweet ending to the whole thing. I think I was tell I was telling you all earlier. This is the only happy ending, yeah. and it's the first ending, and I think it's the easiest one to get. Okay. This is what happens when you don't do anything in time. <laughs> um, the second ending, Inuart, the other like male protagonist, uh, gets makes a pact with a an a different dragon who is like completely evil. And he sides with the the empire, um, and then at the end of the game, er, and he kidnaps Furiai, and the um, villains put her body inside the weird magic orb thing, and create a to create a bunch of monsters that Furiai is the goddess or whatever. They turn her, um, use her body to uh, create a bunch of these monsters, and like thousands of them blot blot out the sky. There's a lot of body horror in that cutscene, and they mm -hmm. destroy the world. Ending C, um, your ending C is that um, the villain is about to um, succeed, and their plan this whole time has been to um, take control of all the dragons. Well, and so they, they do it, they um, cast their spell or whatever to control all the dragons, and it doesn't work. The dragons are immune to, the, to it. Their plan was... Um, uh, was not viable the whole time. And so <laughs> okay. the dragons devour the villain and then they destroy the whole world because in that timeline, the whole purpose of the dragons is to destroy humanity eventually. Like I, in the apocalypse. I love this ending the best so far. And in that ending, you have to fight your dragon. Nice. <laughs> um, that is the final boss, is your dragon. Um, ending D, they the villain succeeds in their plan and summons a giant, a bunch of giant monster babies, which are now giant floating babies and they destroy okay. the world. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, are they baby monsters or no. monster babies? No, they're babies. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they're a bunch babies. of giant babies. They destroy the whole world like attack on Titan. You know, I saw a screen cap of that and I yep. thought I was looking at something unrelated. Nope. But now I know that I wasn't. <laughs> nope. And then ending E is the one that leads to near um you i think it's called the queen beast which is what will create the um babies uh falls through a magic portal into the real world into tokyo and kaim and the dragon go through the like japanese defense force shoots down the um kaim and the dragon and because the dragon has magic in its body the magic spreads out from the corpse like a virus and kills all of humanity. Wow. And that's the start. That's the start of near. Yeah. So wow. the thing is like one, all of those are very different, but the main thing is like the villain is different. This, what the nature of dragons are is different. Just huge fundamental stuff. And like when you watch those cutscenes, there will be some characters who are like very important to that cutscene and they are not present in any of the others. Wow. That's, um, that's like hearing you go through all of these and seeing, like, watching the video before the stream or the before the podcast. It still just amazes, amazes me how different they all are. Like, yeah. different video games, you'd think. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I'm assuming it's the same way with Automata in terms mm. of how no. wildly different. No, they're more coherent. So for Automata, they, um, people, the, they like describe it as having five endings, but it's really like five different acts. Mm. Okay. Um, 
And so, because you you play all of those in order, like all of those routes in order. Okay. With Drakengard, you will play through the game and you will get an ending and then you will go to chapter select and you'll be like, why are there a bunch of verses that are missing? Mm-hmm. And it's because those are the paths that you didn't take. Interesting. And so you need to like redo a mission and get a different outcome in order to follow a different path. Right. Yeah, so quick question. Um, you said, obviously, the first one you went over, option A was the easiest and probably the the nicest ending out of all of them, or yeah. definitely the nicest. Yeah. Um, but option E, you said, leads into near. Mm-hmm. So is that, do you think, the intended ending that they wanted you no. to get to? Ending E was supposed to be like a joke ending, kind of. Like okay. a, a secret joke ending. The B, C, and D are like the... The main... Like A, B, C, and D are like... we're. In, supposed to be like the main endings so the the monster babies were not a joke to them no that was like <laughs> that was the style at the time having yeah. a giant baby is your <laughs> as the villain of your um game was the style at the time i see <laughs> <laughs> it's i know multiple other games from the ps2 era where that is the final boss and it's just like why did you all decide to do this <laughs> it could be another topic um, for the future giant babies and games yeah, I'm interested to go back and check my uh, save and see if I'm missing verses mm. um, uh, to see if I'm already on the path to a non, you know, um, one, one the path to one of the endings. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, oh. I find that all interesting in terms of I don't know if it would be frustrating or I would enjoy it knowing that I would have no idea what ending I'm getting um until like i'm almost done the game and you start start figuring it out um i guess first time through the game you wouldn't know um what was going on but and then to get the subsequent endings you can just do it through chapter select to do like what specific things you need to do so it's not yeah 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 you don't have to like replay a lot Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i i I'm, i'm going back and forth um about the um hidden timer for things rather than giving you a timer. But I guess that's too... So, yeah. That leads into one of the things I wanted, or I guess talking about the combat and stuff. So, Mark, when you were playing on stream, you took, I think, like an average of like 15 minutes per mission, right? Uh, roughly, yes. Okay. Um, there was one mission where I think I took 10 minutes, and, but for most of the missions, I beat them at about three and a half because I... One, I watched a Let's Play of this a few years ago, and that had some tips in it. But also, like, muscle memory and stuff, things that I remembered from um, playing it as a kid, Yeah, uh, you know, 15 years and, ago. And the subsequent years after that, as I mentioned earlier. Yeah, and <laughs> this game seems very... I mean, I haven't played it... I haven't played Dragon Guard 1 since I was um, a teenager, but... And uh, the other stuff is all very different, but the... The thing that I realized about this game, that the thing I realized about myself is that I really like the um, combat in this. It feels very stiff, like when you first play it, and like you only have the basic attack button and then your magic button, right? Very simple. Yeah. Except that there's a lot of hit. This game is all about being very precise with what you do and, um, being aware of what your toolkit is, using it correctly, and like thinking on your feet. And there's also a lot of tech that is into the um, 
for this game that makes the combat way deeper than it seems at first. Like, um, running attacks are your most powerful attack. Yes. A jumping attack will almost always knock down the enemy. Um, if you hit an enemy against a wall, they get knocked down, or they bounce off the wall and they get knocked down. If you um, do the... Uh, doing the finishers, um, the different weapons have different finishers, and there's a billion weapons in this game. Yeah. And so... And you can have eight equipped at a time. So some of the finishers will shoot a um, blast directly forward. And so with those, you want to hit, you want to like spin in a circle as you're doing your combo. So you can hit every enemy that's near you once so that you stagger them so they cannot interrupt you. And then you want to do your finisher and you want to aim your finisher towards a different group of enemies a lot of the time. That's like the... The pattern, repetition, you know, rhythm game to it, kind of, right? You're like, boom, 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 turn, yes. you know. Yes, boom, boom, ching, yeah. boom, boom, ching. Yeah. And the games would basically sound like that the whole time. But um, the thing is that, so, like, hitting the buttons to do the um, combo into the finish or into the finisher is pretty easy because it, like, buffers the input a lot. Yeah. So once you get used to it, it's it's pretty easy to do. But the thing is that, like the difficult part is what you're doing with the left stick during that time, like turning your character and turning in the right direction. Like I said, so that you knock off, um, everybody who's near you off balance so that they can't interrupt your combo so that you can get that finisher off. Cause that is the majority of your damage. Yeah, and so, yeah. 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 That's, that's what I noticed playing it. That's I was more frustrated. I couldn't get the timing down. And I don't know if it's the way I was playing it um, or the means that I was playing it. Um, uh as you saw on stream um with it um that that frustrated me a little bit maybe if i yes. played it a little more and got you know got the timing down um no. so yeah. th- this is the thing i was saying earlier that like i 100 percent and understand that people don't like that because yeah. that is very frustrating if you don't find it satisfying yeah. and like intellectually stimulating yeah i i enjoyed the dragon comic yeah i'll give it that i i, I like doing all that stuff um you know, uh, the one thing that um, I think it was inverted, um, the flying on the dragon. Um, yeah. So getting used to that, um, or at least the aiming was. Um, but once once I got used to that and got into a rhythm, um, like I could get through some of those aerial sections um, without taking much damage. Um, I like those a lot better, which is why the last section frustrated me that I played um, because I kept getting knocked off the dragon. And yeah. dropped into like a group of enemies, and then I would get into the, <laughs> the frustrating combat, the combo thing, and not being able to clear space. Um, so, so yeah. Another thing with um, that is that there's also tech with the dragon that you want to, um, when you're doing like ground combat as the dragon, you want to fire a blast and then dodge roll because that will let you generally um, avoid arrows, and arrows will take you off the dragon very quickly, and you also want to boost a lot for the same reason. Okay. The dragon is more a method of transportation than it is like for taking out enemies a lot of the time. And so in that specific level that you're talking about, there's so many archers and stuff, it is not viable to try to fight things on the dragon. Yeah. Instead, what you want to do is boost dodge, boost dodge until you get to the right place, drop off the dragon, kill the um, commander, hop back on the dragon, boost dodge, boost dodge to speed over to the next place. And That's that timer. Yeah, and so that's how like I was able to do a bunch of these missions in like three and a half minutes 
once you get like get that down and get used to it and know that you should only really fight the target enemies and not like the fodder the regular fodder enemies mm-hmm. um yeah. but also i 100 percent understand if you don't if you find it very frustrating to constantly get knocked off your dragon when you're trying to ride your dragon <laughs> yeah yeah and, <laughs> and also i was trying to do that with 10 minutes before the stream yeah. Um, or the stream before the podcast. So I was like, fuck, I want to get this level done, but I keep getting knocked <laughs> from the dragon. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, I may, it, I don't know if I'll go back right away, but I might go try and at least finish chapter two, as you had suggested, to sort of see if I yeah. get that companion um, that comes with it. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I, I, I judge this stuff of either when I'm watching Tom play or I'm playing myself, um, my enjoyment of it, comes how quickly do i want to stop playing it um because there's been a couple um mm-hmm. retro roulettes where acro the acrobat being the biggest <laughs> example um where after an hour i'm just like guys i'm in the stream okay <laughs> like mm-hmm. yep. um but this one i would i would have kept playing if, if if we didn't run out of time i really just wanted to finish chapter one before we got to an hour and a half which yeah. again if i understood the way to speed we could have got further but um yeah i enjoyed it um I know uh, Jen had some um, issues uh, getting it up and running and, and stuff like that, but um, I think it's definitely something we'll check out. Maybe um, we can have it in the in the arsenal back burner for a yeah. stream. Um, yeah, I, I do want to. I do want to try to play it from yeah. watching you play on stream and from witnessing the yeah. endings. It's yeah, definitely it, it, something to experience. And it has Durgans in it. So. And it has Durgans. What more can you ask for? Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Um, yeah, so uh, uh, I guess just me and Jonathan scores. I'll go first. Um, I'll give it a three out of five for my playthrough of it so far. Um, the frustration of the camera and not really getting into the rhythm um, probably knocked off a few points for me. But I think if I played it more consistently um, and gave it a little more time than I was able to give it over these two weeks, I'd probably bump it up to about a four. Um, the, I did find parts of the combat satisfying. The dragon stuff was fun. Um, story is a little off the wall and um hard to parse at least in the early going um but i i do enjoy that stuff uh, especially if, if, if games have multiple endings like this so yeah so three out of five for me and uh, jonathan uh, final thoughts oh um i yeah okay i didn't realize i was going next um yes i'm gonna give it a four and a half out of five i'm serious i honest i i thought i would have like fond memories of this and not hate it as much as many people as um, other people I've heard, but no, I actually genuinely really like this like a lot. I, the only reason I stopped playing it is because I switched to Dragon Guard three, um, which I like more. I, yeah, four and a half out of five. I, yep. I think it really holds up. It's a fantastic game. I still love it. Awesome. Um, yeah. So uh, let's uh, pick the game for next week. Uh, let's spin the wheel. All right, so it looks like, um, well, Jen, I think I know who our guest is next week. Uh-huh. Um, the Wheel has come up with uh, Donkey Kong Country 3, uh-huh. um, which I believe is called Dixie Kong's Double Trouble. Let me search real fast. Yes. Well, I I don't know how I remember that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so um, we'll play through Donkey Kong Country 3 um, for the Super Nintendo, um, the uh, final one in that series there. I know Dan's a big fan. Of mm-hmm. the series in general, and especially two, but I haven't heard him talk or play much of three, so 
I'm interesting to see him talk about it. Yeah, maybe he'll come on and be our next guest, like you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, look forward to Monday's stream um, of me being really bad at Donkey Kong Country, um, <laughs> playing through three. Um, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe convince the Bat Dan um, mm-hmm. uh, to maybe run it for a little bit instead, so you can see someone who's actually good at the game um, play it. <laughs> That's the thing I feel bad about me now being. Uh, roulettes and and you got to watch my gameplay of tiny tina is that i'm probably the worst at those things of the group <laughs> so i apologize to the audience um, okay. <laughs> doesn't mean i'm going to stop being the person that runs these that, that's not what i'm saying at all um mm-hmm. i just apologize until tom gets back um and i don't yell son of a bitch enough um while playing so I- um, I'm really hoping that it turns out that there's like some change from two that absolutely makes Dan fly off the handle and right. <laughs> we get to see him rage at a game that, um, I, he, he should, that we were all expecting him to love. Yes. Yeah, this would be amazing. There's two versions of Dan. I love, I love, I love angry Dan when something really makes him mad. This, you know, from doing, they call this movie a lot with him. Um, where yeah. we really, really pisses them off. It's always a fun podcast when Angry Dan shows up. Um, or it's when uh, uh, the Dan who really loves the thing he just did and will just just talk about it forever and we don't have to prod him to yep. say something. He's like, guys, guys, okay. So <laughs> we'll just go into it. Um, so I'm hoping we get one or the other with this game. Um, so yeah. So uh, look out for that um, on Monday. Someone will be streaming that. Um, you'd be surprised who. Um, and then, uh, we'll be back, um, on Wednesday after that for Tiny Tina's Wonderland. And I know I said this last time or, or on the streams, um, but I am going to spend an entire week trying to figure out, um, why, um, specifically, um, I cannot get NES emulators to, or I should say really totally regular NESs, um, to connect to OBS. Um, you tried blowing on the cartridge? I, I should go ahead and do that. Yeah. Some of me um, <laughs> should have been the first thing I did. Um, but yeah, trying to get that, that stuff to come up. Or And so on Thursday, if I get that fixed, um, we're going to play Zelda. I think my backup plan might be to just play it on the switch. Um, since I did get the uh, Aver, you know, game capture or the, uh, the video capture thing. Um, now that worked perfectly fine when I did the switch sports thing. So that might be my backup plan. Um, but I would have to figure out a setup for that so that I could um, not play it with much of a delay. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So look out for that next week. Um, yeah. And then we have They Call This a Movie, our movie podcast, um, every Thursday. And then, um, yeah, yeah. It'd be, it'd be fun. Um, it's already May, guys. So um, we should be. Uh, it's that time of year where we got to. Uh, I'm already starting to look for games for Extra Life. Nice. I don't know about you guys. Uh, <laughs> but it's already like, all right, we got to start figuring out what games we're doing um, so we can get a plan. But yeah. So for Jonathan and Jenny, I'm Mark, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.